a three-fingered Santa with no pants ruined our world. Chomp chomp and welcome to the Spin-Off Doctor Spin-Off Podcast. My name is Ewan and I'm joined today by Jonathan to examine the number one arcade game holiday season cartoon special, Christmas Comes to Packland. Uh, would you like to introduce yourself, Jonathan? Yeah, I'm Jonathan. I'm so excited to be on the show. It's the spin-off of a spin-off focused show that some people I know did but didn't invite me to ever be on once. Oh. But you invited me for the first time to be on a show that is not the show but is a spin-off of the show and i'm so touched to get close to being even partially as important as other people for a change feels great you're very important thank you very much for joining <laughs> us anytime i'm excited to talk about this cartoon special that i do vaguely remember watching as a child you actually watched this in 1982 I vaguely remember watching this, or at least seeing commercials for it at the very least. I am 46 years young as of 2023 that we're in now. And I believe I might have just had a black and white TV, so the color version may have been new to me. But I was a huge Pac-Man fan Mm. at the age of six. I had Pac-Man trading cards. I had Pac-Man t-shirts and posters. I had the How to Win It video games strategy guide book that showed you how to win at pac-man you just eat the dots that's that's what it tells you to do but it tells you how to eat them in in a way that might work better and i studied it like the bible instead of religion i just thought about pac-man which ties nicely into the show we're going to talk about because it almost it borders on christian propaganda and pac-man meeting together for what I think is the very first time. Yes, uh, uh, certainly Santa Claus is not aware of Pac-Man at this point, despite Pac-Man fever being in full swing. (laughs) Also, I want to introduce our editor and producer, Daniel, is going to be in on the call here as well. So chomp chomp, Daniel. Chomp chomp to you. I figure I'd kind of let you guys uh, run the show, and if uh, I have anything interesting to say, I might might, uh, chomp in as well. (laughs) (laughs) This is... So we'll chomp together on this and work to make a good chomp. (laughs) I will try to say chomp more. It is really taking me back. I am older than both of you, I believe. So you probably weren't there, but this kind of stuff actually did happen. Not amongst actual human beings, but you would hear people saying chomp chomp on TV to promote Pac-Man. Really? And there was Pac-Man records, as you mentioned, Pac-Man fever, but that wasn't the only Pac-Man record. I had a a Pac-Man story record where Pac-Man was like, chomp chomp, here we go, like constantly. (laughs) And the ghosts were like, oh, oh, just give us the throat. Like real, like whimpery, threatening, yet whimpering ghosts. And, And we had to put up with this in pop culture for like a solid two years uh maybe longer where pac-man was this thing that everyone thought well everyone with money producing tv shows and records and such thought well people love the pac-man game that means they must love it when a guy goes hey jump jump but we did they're they're not actually related we loved pac-man because it was a fun video game to play not because we loved thinking about chomping Well, speak for yourself. Um, (laughs) Now, I I was born in 89, so I missed the height of the arcade kind of era of video games. I feel like Pac-Man, though, is like one of those games where everybody's played it at least once. I definitely played it in the 90s. I can't remember on what platform, and I don't think I ever actually owned it but I definitely played it. It's just like, you know, it's Space Invaders and Pong. It's one of those ones that's just there. Yeah, it's it's been a part of the makeup of video games as a thing for just about as long as arcades, like color arcade games. Space Invaders came a few years earlier in the 70s and was black and white. But when it came to like the first big famous 
everyone knows it, whether they like it or not, mascot for video games, Pac-Man was essentially the first and has never fully gone away. Mm, mm. There, I mean, I was looking up about this. There's still Pac-Man games and Pac-Man TV shows that were made in the 2010s. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't remember. I think it's called The Ghostly Adventures, but there was mm. a relatively recent Pac-Man show that people take very seriously. <laughs> not me, not anyone I know personally, but I have seen people get very upset about the direction of the show and the fiction and the canon and whether whether the ghosts would really behave in that way. I was reading a recent interview with the creator of Pac-Man, and he made it very clear that all of the fiction that dictates that these ghosts are actual spirits of deceased Pac-Men and women, I suppose, who came back as ghosts. That's all nonsense. He was very upset. He said that's garbage. These ghosts were never spirits of formerly living things. They are yokai. They are monsters in and of their own right that have always existed in that way. And he didn't explain anything more than that. So that left us Still wondering why do they want to eat Pac-Man? What does Pac-Man want to eat them sometimes? Why are so many things eating each other? Like, it's fine to eat food, but these are guys just eating guys in this game. And we all just accepted it as, oh yeah, it's the way it goes. They carried that on into the show because everybody, when they're not talking about Santa Claus, they're talking about eating each other. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, and I'll tell you... As a kid watching this growing up, it made a sick sort of sense to me that this is how they treated each other because I don't know if this was your experience growing up as a kid, but kids would just like beat each other up and hurt each other and walk away a lot when I was growing up, like five, six, Hmm. seven, up until we were old enough to like actually hurt each other, which is probably closer to 11 or 12. But like a gang of kids would just push a kid into the snow and like kick snow on him and and leave him there for to feel humiliated and sad and that's kind of the logic of the Pac-Man world they're all grown-ups there's cops and whatnot i think there's uh um, somebody calls Pac-Man kooky at some point so there's like the they call under- him a lot of names <laughs> yeah but they like make references to mental illness what implies that they understand like that it's a complex human world adult world But they still just will basically beat each other up and leave each other in a pile of snow, which is the equivalent to eating each other. Like all the ghosts at one point, not to spoil it, but they do get Pac-Man. They chomp him. (laughs) But all that happens to him is he just lies there and is like, "Ah, I don't think I can move. Oh, I got to deliver these gifts for Santa. And his dog does it for him, essentially. And the dogs look like... Pac-Men, sort of? They're like fat Tylenols with little <laughs> legs sticking out. None of it. Anyway, uh, I don't know how you want to structure this. Should we start at the top? Where? How sure. do we talk um, about this thing? I'm, I'm just going to introduce the show itself. Oh, sorry. Um, and then we'll get into a summary. <laughs> Sounds good. Christmas Comes to Pac-Land aired December 16th, 1982 as a Christmas special of the Pac-Man animated TV series, which aired in two series, 1982 to 83, and was brought to us by Hanna-Barbera. Mm. Amazingly, I, 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 I love that this is a Hanna-Barbera show. And this show was also one of the highest rated Saturday morning cartoon shows. Now, the other tidbit I'd like to add, because, I mean, we'll just go into the plot, but... The initial episodes of this show were apparently considered too violent, and the scenes of chomping had to be toned down. So I'll give a warning to our listeners, if you do want to watch Christmas Comes to Packland, I do recommend you mentally prepare yourself for the graphic chomping scenes. It is disturbing. I know I'm getting ahead of myself again, but in, also in the 80s, for whatever reason... Like fun vampires were around a lot. There was a, a made-for-TV movie about a guy named George. I can't remember the last name of the actor. He's always got a tan. He was big in the 80s for some reason. Nobody knows why. Him and Miss Piggy were just like everywhere. And he plays a vampire. He plays Dracula. He just shows up and starts biting people. And they're like, ugh. I'm so drained. But like sort of relaxed. Like this whole concept of people 
or monsters or Pac-Man biting each other and people just feeling like sort of dead, but able to live, but badly. Like you just live badly after your bit, I guess. It was everywhere. It's, it's, a, it's a very kiddie thing mm. that, like, you know, it'll be like you shoot each other and then, you know, in play and then you lie on the ground and then it's just like, I'm dead now. Oh, well, time for food. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And so it's, I've just eaten your bones. <laughs> okay, let's be friends. Yeah, yeah it was in Pac-Man. And it was in a variety of other like monster fiction, werewolves, vampires, and Pac-Man were all sort of in this area where we'd watch stuff about them as kids and just be like, well, somebody's going to get bit. Uh, They'll probably be fine, though, but maybe not. Were you talking about George Hamilton? Yes. Thank you, George Hamilton. Love at first bite. Love at first bite. Watched that as a kid as it premiered. Uh, felt uncomfortable and we were all uncomfortable that's the thing like nobody watched all this stuff and walked away feeling fine we all walked away thinking well everyone else thinks it's normal so I guess I'm the weird one for feeling uncomfortable with how everyone's just biting each other and leaving each other for dead but nobody said anything because we didn't want to seem like we were the ones who didn't get it so we, we all played along for years until eventually we all just stop watching this garbage and that was that was for the best because it's a bad show this pac-man show like it is it is weak (laughs) it is it is probably three minutes of plot stretched out to to a long time (laughs) uh we'll get to the special itself so we open on Santa Claus flying across the snowy landscape of Pac-Land, uh remarking to himself about his computerized Christmas list software Santa set up his spyware capabilities as soon as the technology was available. Does he really do that? I don't remember that part, but it's very easy to forget this show. Like, I'm already very impressed. He brags about his his computerized list, so I guess he's in in league with the NSA. (laughs) I mean, they do track him every year. They they track the Christmas list or Santa? NORAD does track Santa every year. (laughs) Every year, yes. And can we just... The listeners who haven't viewed this may not realize that it already it's weird (laughs) as a kid to watch this because it is a human Santa. And we've never seen a human that I recall other than this big like robot faced guy who controls the ghost. Can't remember his name at the time, but he was the main villain of the actual regular Pac-Man cartoon show. Yes. But you don't see people. They're all Pac people. And that's the logic of it. So it's as weird as if like a regular human Santa just showed up at the Simpsons and was like, here I go. Oh, maybe Homer will help me with this stuff. I almost swore. Is this a swearing show? Oh, you can swear. Yes, totally. Go for it. But they wouldn't swear in this Christmas special, so it's probably good I edited myself. Uh, <laughs> oh. But yeah, yeah. Very weird feeling to see this real Santa. It, it comes up later. Nobody's seen Santa. This is their first time seeing a human in Packland as well. Yeah. So this is this is a meeting of two very different worlds coming together. Yeah, the, the pack people have no idea about Santa Claus or Christmas. It's uh, the world of Packland is uh, finally getting to know Christ's love. <laughs> and they, it's the most banal. So, sorry, I'm shouting. <laughs> so you're, you're seeing a new form of life for the first time. Before this, all you've ever known is other people that are just ahead with arms and legs sticking out of them. Very few people wear pants. A lot of people wear hats, I think, in the in the Pac-Man world. Even Pac-Man wore a little hat. It barely fit. Uh, just like a funny little size of a baby's hat. Just plopped it on his head and went to work. Acted like it was normal. You're seeing for the first time big feet on a person. Pants. Coat. Human skin. Beard. And the first thing you're talking to him about is like, where are all the presents going? What are you doing on a sleigh? He's flying in a sleigh. <laughs> He's just found proof of extraterrestrial life. <laughs> they even call him an alien, don't they? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yep. And the the all they care about is him getting his gifts. To who? Because it's not... They didn't know about Christmas, so clearly they'd never gotten Christmas gifts before. But they act like this is the most important thing in the world. They risk life and limb. To help Santa, total stranger, alien, get gifts to somebody else. 
by the end of, of Christmas. They've got a lot of stuff that does cross over from the human world because you, you start when you first see the Pac family, Pac-Man and Miss Pac-Man, who is known as Pepper. Yes. They're building ghost snowmen for their Pac-Baby to practice chomping on. And it's like, they know what snowmen are. And they sort live of. on Earth. Sort of. Is it, though? I mean, do they ever say... I could have sworn, and some pack experts will have to one-up me on this later. You get those video game references? I just threw them right in there. Do they show the shape of the Earth in the Pac-Man cartoon? Because I feel like they show it at some point, and it's, like, shaped weird. Like, it's shaped like something in the Pac-Man world. I can't remember. But it's not quite the same as Earth, as I, I recall. And they don't know, as we've talked about... It's not like they're, they've had their own continent of, of Pac-Land, but they have to like deal with the Russians later. They must do, though, because Santa flies over, and Santa's on his way to deliver presents. Yes. So he must be on Earth. So this must be like an undiscovered continent. Jonathan, would you say that Santa Claus is in a place he would not call Earth? <laughs> to, for, to for spoken reference everyone yeah i i think he may think that but again he doesn't even care none of them care that this is the most amazing moment in either of their respective cultures and histories all they care about is getting those gifts delivered by the end of christmas eve i also think it's possible that this show is garbage and they didn't <laughs> they didn't care so they're just like here he comes santa coming off of your coca-cola can and we all know the modern santa the red coat santa if i remember correctly was in part designed by the coca-cola company to be selling coca-colas uh my mom grew up with a totally different version of santa who wore like a yellow coat and he was just called saint nicholas and he was tall and skinny and he like beat kids with a, a stick that was covered in thorns and like forced them to eat corn mush. So this Santa in this show is very much like a, a mascot to sell stuff, Santa. And his canon, his rules was all over the place. He may have gone interdimensionally to the land of Pac-Men and Pac-Women by mistake to deliver... Does he deliver gifts to the... Am I getting ahead of myself again? We'll get to this, I'm sure. I'm just going to cut myself off and, and uh, on the edge of my seat, hear you tell me what happened in this thing, because I can't remember. So they're building the snowmen. Pac-Baby chomps on the snowmen. And Pac-Baby is, I quote, a real chomp of the old block. <laughs> I'm going to be quoting this uh, quite a few times, because they do like to say some really great lines in this. The Pack family also has Sourpuss the cat and Chomp Chomp the dog. The dog, voiced by Frank Welker, who is contractually obliged to be in every single cartoon. As a dog. <laughs> Especially the Warner Brothers ones, if I remember. He's in a, mm. in a lot of those. He's in Velma. He's in the new Velma. Yes, he is. He's, uh, is he Fred's dad in that? I believe so. Yeah, I believe so. They're keeping Welker in business and he, he brings life to every role he plays except maybe chomp chomp i don't remember feeling anything about the dog it sounds like it's having a sneezing fit <laughs> not, not what you usually go for in entertainment just hearing <laughs> dogs make terrible sounds also the cat is apparently voiced by peter cullen who was optimus prime in the 80s as well my lord. <laughs> this this has a good cast of voice actors. It act, yeah. Like, all of them have their own Wikipedia pages. Peter Cullen is also uh, Santa Claus in this. Oh, is he Santa as well? That's what my research said. He does well. Um, I need to address here as well, Pepper Pac-Man, Miss Pac-Man, calls Pac-Man a name which is very unfortunate. I, I cannot repeat it because the nickname she has for him is a racial slur in the UK. No. It is. Racial? Yeah. <laughs> and you can't, we just have to look it up. Can you Can you say a word that it rhymes with so I can guess? Well, if you have pack and then put a Y on the end of it. Oh. Uh, oh, she does call him that. Yeah. In America, I'm sure this like is perfectly fine. In the UK, it's very awkward. Yeah. 
Yeah, that sounds right. She calls him that a lot. And it was like, for some reason in the 80s, we all lived in this dark shadow of the honeymooners. Like everything was a little bit like the honeymooners, whether we liked it or not. And the honeymooners, I don't know if you've seen it. It's just like a schlubby jerk. And his wife is affectionate towards him and sometimes uses nicknames, I think, but also sort of thinks he's the worst. And geez, Flintstones, Simpsons, Married with Children, like that was just the thing shows were about is men suck, but everyone talks about them and thinks about them and puts them up on a pedestal and makes everything about them. Just like reality. <laughs> Maybe that's why it's always been the way, but it it's, it's not parodying it. It's just continuing it. Like Pac-Man is by far getting the most lines, the most focus, but he just sucks. Like he's not even good at being Pac-Man in this. He just loses. The ghosts just eat him. He trips over a rock. I'm getting ahead of myself. <laughs> so um yeah they do have this baby and that was another thing that was massive constant when you were bereft of any ideas but you knew you had a mascot or some brand that people were going to pay attention to because everyone thought everyone likes it so you have to like it too they just stick a baby in there oh it's muppet babies it's Muppet Baby. So they got Pac Baby. Waka waka. Oh, did I do that? Sort of thing. Um, they were all Pac Baby laughing at him. He was like the charmer. He was the scrappy do. He was the baby Sinclair from Dinosaurs. He's in there like more than he should be. I think he has a good cry with Santa at one point. Mm -hmm. Like just the ba baby and Santa on screen being like, oh, no presents for Christmas. <laughs> And we, we're supposed to be entertained by this. They think this is what we want to watch. Pac-Baby and Santa filling our screens and just crying for a long time. You come from the arcade. You've been playing some Pac-Man. You go about the maze, <laughs> eat some stuff. That's it. You go home, you watch this. And then Santa Claus has a spherical baby that he's wailing with. And and this is just how culture works. <laughs> That's how, and every you know you can check the ratings on this. This is this was not like a small ratings show. This was as you said the top rated cartoon of the time and the Christmas specials. Everyone sat and watched the new ones. We all millions. I would not be surprised if fifteen million people watched this when it first aired. Would this have been more popular than like Garfield or yes? It was definitely more popular than, than Garfield. I'm not sure if Garfield had his own cartoon at this point. The debut of the cartoon, over 20 million children in the US in addition to adults. Yes, yes. That's, um, I'm, uh, I feel vindicated <laughs> in my announcement that the world was even worse. <laughs> People <laughs> liked even worse stuff back then. So thank you. Yeah, it was something everyone talked about and no one liked. Christmas Comes to Pac-Man was real uh, water cooler conversation the next day at the office. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. And and that said, there was nothing as we're finding. The only thing I'm really saying about it is I can't believe that it's this bad. <laughs> but nobody said that. Like everyone was just like, you watch the Pac-Man special? Oh, yeah. You like it when he said chomp chomp? Yeah, I like, I like the chomp chomp. You like the chomp chomp? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I like it. And then just back to our gray, empty lives. 1982, everybody's on cocaine. They're playing the <laughs> stock market. They're chomping on each other. And for a 25-minute uh, special, the first five minutes, there's zero plot. No. It's just uh, Pac-Man and his family hanging out. See, that's the thing. You know, I, I criticize or am a critic of video games and also lightly sometimes TV shows and movies, people will complain that the new Daredevil show or something, oh, uh, there was a filler episode. Well, what happened in it? Well, there's this amazing fight scene and uh, they they find a new character who's like brilliantly acted and the some side characters you didn't get much attention to, they, they have this really like wild adventure at the beach. But it's just filler because it didn't move forward the central plot about Daredevil punching Kingpin some more. I'm like, do you know what real filler is? <laughs> Have you been to the 80s? It was constant just like, I found a rock. What do you want to do with it? I don't know. Maybe we should take it down to the old man Miller. Old man Miller will know. Bring it to old man Miller. I don't know what to do with this rock. It was like every <laughs> show was that. 
<laughs> just no point to any show ever. The writers were just asleep or or on drugs, as you said, and coming off the cocaine and just uh, bereft of any sort of ideas. It was terrible. I would love to see the Daredevil episode where they all just go to the beach for the day, including Kingpin. <laughs> and they just kind of hang about for like, how long are those shows? Like 50 minutes? They're long. They're they're almost as long as movies. Yeah. Yeah. It would still be more eventful and less filler than your average 80s Christmas special where nothing happens at all. Daredevil could jump the shark. <laughs> <laughs> that literally happened in an 80s show. There was nothing in that. That I've seen that episode of Happy Days. Fonz is just like, yeah, I'm going to go water ski later. And then he just does. <laughs> but they take like 20 minutes to get there. And then he does jump over a shark. And there were still like three more seasons of the show after that. <laughs> what happens next? Yeah. The family go on a toboggan ride for more filler. But the ghost monsters Blinky, Inky, Pinky, Clyde, and Sue flying around, they're singing about chomping on Pac-Man and his family. They spot the pack creeps and of course, any time's a perfect time to chomp them. Uh, they chase the pack family down a hill, the toboggan crashes, the pack family have no power pellets. They do have an emergency power pellet box, but the ghosts have stolen all the pellets. They're in real danger. They start throwing snowballs as a last resort, and then the silly blue ghost, I believe is Inky, throws the power pellets in retaliation. The pack family munch on the pellets, and like in the game, the tables turn and the ghosts attempt to escape. This is all, again, just like, you've had five minutes of Santa flying around and them building a snowman. Now you've just got them having a snowball fight. Very little plot. Yeah, but... Very casual, like, well, here are the ghosts again. They're going to eat us, I guess. What do you want to do? <laughs> oh, we have the emergency power pellet, like like a first aid kit. Like, this is just a common thing. We've got a, mm. oh, we've got a boo-boo. Baby bumped their knee, put a Band-Aid on it. Ghosts are going to eat us. Do you have the emergency? <laughs> and and then they uh, they fend off the ghosts. It's actually... A pretty exciting scene, if I remember correctly, by this show's standards. There is a weird thing here, which is one of the ghosts lifts up his cloak, I guess, to reveal the message, Caution, the ghost monster general has determined that chomping is hazardous to your health. <laughs> you got to get the jokes of the adults in here as well. Yeah, I think it was a relatively recent thing that they started putting warning labels on cigarettes at this time. Before that, it was just, you know. I did investigate this. Yes. I thought it was about cigarettes as well. Yeah. But there's a New York Times article from November 10th, 1982, where the U.S. Surgeon General warns that video games may be hazardous to the health of young people. Whoa. Wow. I had no idea. that, And that hasn't stuck around, as far as I'm aware. C. Everett Koop, I think, was the Surgeon General back then. He was on TV a lot in the 80s. I don't think the current Surgeon General which is a weird mix now that I think about it. He's a, he, like, cuts people up and also commands an army? <laughs> or is he a general surgeon? I don't know. Anyway, they must not have that warning on current video games, do they? Because they're much worse I, now. I don't think it was ever on video games, but it was like he announced that he thinks video games might be addictive. Wow. Fun. So they're they're poking a little fun at uh, Sea of Red Coop. Maybe. I don't know when this was actually made. Right. But it definitely came out after this announcement. So there's a possibility they were doing satire about video game extreme warnings and that kind of thing. That That might be the smartest joke in the show. Yeah, I mean, we'll find out, because I don't remember that joke or almost any other other lines, but Ewan will tell us later if there are other jokes that are good in this thing. Uh, he may be waiting a while. <laughs> <laughs> so Pac-Man in turn invites the ghost to examine his new warning label in his mouth, and of course, never look at Pac-Man in the mouth. <laughs> It's a weird thing. I, one of the ghosts uses a tennis racket to whack the other ghosts and then himself. 
straight into the mouths of the Pat family, and they're just swallowed whole <laughs> and reduced to being eyes. But again, it's Pac-Man, so they're kind of fine. They're just like, oh no, we're, we've lost our entire bodies. <laughs> Better go home. <laughs> As eyes, yeah. That part of the video game logic carries forward. One of the things that really bothered me about the show as a kid was I loved the simple iconography, even at like five or whatever, I was a nerd for this stuff. Just Pac-Man is a circle with a cutout for the mouth. The ghosts are just wiggly lines at the bottom, round at the top, big eyes. Then in the cartoon, they're giving everybody hats. Even the ghosts have hats that are made out of ghost flesh. <laughs> Somehow, it's like the same texture and color as their skin. But they did at least carry forward the fun video game logic of after they get eaten, they're reduced simply to an ethereal form of some kind. Sands the eyes, the floating eyes. The eyes fly straight into the path of Santa's reindeer, who are understandably very spooked by just disembodied <laughs> eyes flying at them out of the sky. Uh, the toy sack falls off its sleigh, Santa crashes... The Pack family find him... Now, as we've talked about earlier, they think he's an alien. They say he's got a hairy face and a red spacesuit. <laughs> and in turn, Santa's never heard of Packland. This is bizarre. This is like um, Star Trek First Contact. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or E.T., which I think had come out. Oh, when was E.T.? When was E.T.? I can't remember. It was around then. 82. Yeah. And this was also 82? Yeah, uh, this came out after E.T. by six months. Oh, definitely an inspiration then. Wow, yeah. Most likely they were playing off that a little bit. And I forgot to mention, eating was also a big part of the culture because everyone was still thinking about Jaws and like getting eaten by Jaws. And Pac-Man had sort of a, you get to be the thing that eats everybody else fun to it because we were all thinking about getting eaten by sharks all the time. In the 80s. The 80s sounds like a magical place from how you're describing it. <laughs> it, was, it was terrifying. Like, I would put my feet in a puddle and think, like, maybe I'm going to get eaten by Jaws. Because we were constantly being shown Jaws on reruns. There was new Jaws movies coming out pretty regularly still. There was a Jaws reference in friggin' Back to the Future for no reason. Uh, and then E.T. happened, and we were constantly thinking about aliens after that, So and Jaws. But the aliens eat people as well, so it's just eating, eating, eating. <laughs> a ton of eating, absolutely. And a ton of different ways to be an alien. Some would eat you. Some were like E.T. or Mac and me. Mac from Mac and Me, or there was the Critters who did eat you. That was kind of a confluence of E.T. and Jaws. Gremlins felt like aliens. Nobody knew where they came from. The Ghoulies also felt like aliens. There was a lot of a lot of just this unknown thing that doesn't belong, like Santa Claus in this show, <laughs> just showing up and having to like deal with it. Just a remake of the original Alien, but the alien is replaced by Santa Claus. <laughs> Just seeing Santa <laughs> burst out of John Hurt's stomach and explain the true meaning of Christmas. <laughs> Which he does shortly after this, don't they? They go home with Santa and, like, sit him in a chair that's Santa-sized? I don't know how that works, but yeah, tell, tell me more about what happens next. They take him home, they give him power pellet cola, which I presume is cocaine-laced. The way he's drawn in that chair, Jonathan, yeah. it makes it look like he's nude from the waist down. <laughs> Very nude from the waist down, Jonathan. They got to make him comfortable. <laughs> Is that what makes him? I didn't know that's what made him comfortable. <laughs> Is it? Did they just forget to color the pants? Because this happened a lot in '80s cartoons. The the painters of the the individual cells would just forget to paint clothes well, colors. He's got his feet in, like, a bowl. Oh. So I guess he's warming his feet. But I think he's supposed to be wearing, like, not trousers, but, like, shorts for some reason. <laughs> Very short shorts. But for some reason, but when he's sitting down, you can't see the shorts. So it just looks like he's got his jacket on and just sitting in their chair. And they're just fine. Well, they've never seen a human, so they don't wear trousers. So they don't think it's unusual. Interesting. Maybe he was trying to fit in, or maybe they just said pants off. And he was like, okay, when in Pac-Lands, do as the Pac-Mans do, and just 
No pants, warm in his feet, in a chair that fits his giant body, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, maybe, yeah. <laughs> How does that work? Why did they have that chair? <laughs> I don't know. It, it may be just a failure for them to, as makers of the show, to do anything that really made sense or, or was believable. It could have been that. Or maybe there's some fun explanation that we can, in a witty way, make an observe, observation about. But I got... I got nothing. I think they just wanted to frame up that scene so everybody fits. I think the cops are there. Yeah. Like everyone in town or at least some some segment of the town. Officer Opaque arrives. <laughs> Which again, for some reason in the 80s, everyone thought it was great to have every cop be Irish in, in the United States. They've never heard of Santa. They've never heard of Christmas. They've presumably heard of Ireland. <laughs> or like... Pack Ireland. They had, because he has an Irish accent, right? Mm. Uh, Officer Opac. Oh, what's his name again? I almost said a racial slur. Uh, Opac. <laughs> Phew. Oh, dodged a bullet there. Uh, Officer Opac. And he has a line or two, or no? Yeah, he talks, but he doesn't say anything really important. Him and another Pack person. Mm. I didn't catch the other one, but they start fixing up the sleigh. Oh. I- I'm. I'm guessing they're like main characters in the normal cartoon, but they're just kind of there in this one. Was the other one like a mailman? He might might be. I vaguely remember there being hijinks where like, because the police do not protect the people from the ghosts, or the pack people, I should say, from the ghosts that I recall. But there'd be a situation where like Pac-Man would have to report a burglary or something to Officer Opac and he'd get the mail, but like, screw it up yeah you, you probably remember there was a uh, super nintendo game called pac-man 2 the new adventures that was about pac-man being the lead but also being like a real screw-up like he fails at almost everything he tries to do simple tasks he's he's like walking and and stepping on rakes and hitting himself in the face a lot or just uh like tripping and falling hurting himself getting really enraged and then you can't control him anymore, and he'll just start destroying everything. Uh, Pac-Man 2, The New Adventures, you should definitely play it. But a lot of that was taken from the ethos, the heart of this cartoon, that was oftentimes just about Pac-Man screwing up and having to tell the cops or the mailman, like, I failed, can you help me fix it? And Pepper would help him out, and the dog would help him out. I don't remember Sourpuss helping him very much. The baby... Like, incredible at everything. And everyone just loves that baby. And I think we see a little bit more of this happen pretty soon. Do we get to see the true failure of Christmas Pac-Man in this show anytime soon? Yes. In between, um, the ghosts go back to their house and they put on new ghost suits. Which, again, is weird because I guess they just put on clothes and they don't have a real body. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, at one point, the the ghosts chomp each other, and then he, like, puts his, like, friend's skin over the eyes, and it, like, kind of crumples in a weird way. <laughs> the ghosts are an existential nightmare. Yes. <laughs> but they don't care. All they want to do is eat Pac-Man. Eat the Pac-Nerd, as they call them. <laughs> They're very much, again, kid logic. It's this inherent urge that so many children have to just hurt each other. Can you imagine being a policeman in a world where presumably burglary, for example, is illegal, but eating people is legal? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and and commonplace and disliked. That's why they make the first aid kit equivalents that contain power pellets. So we know this is going to happen, but ghosts... Or as the creator of Pac-Man says, just yokai, who have literally no other interest than to bully Pac-People by eating them. This cop is not interested. No, 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 no. He could he could be presumably eating power pellets and eating these ghosts, putting them in some sort of jail, maybe. I don't know if they can be contained. Well he did he did his job. He put out the emergency power pellet supply. <laughs> That's not, that shouldn't well, you know, but without going too far down a um, to fund the police road, this is not what policing, in my opinion, should be in real life and or in Packland. I think that's a very salient point for today's politics. <laughs> Thank, you. Thank you. I am truly changing the world with my proclamations about 
policing and pack land and, and every land. I should run on this. I should run for office on this platform. So we're going to run on eating people legal, <laughs> but police should be defunded. Yeah, because all they're doing is providing emergency pack pellets to the people before they're eaten by the ghosts. I'm going to have big posters behind me showing like diagrams of how it works. The ghost eats Pac-Man, then he just lies there and feels bad. Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to try to make this something everyone cares about and thinks about again. I'm going to make Pac-Man great again cuz there was a time 40 years ago when this was a big deal and I'm bringing that back. I'm 100% on board. I will move to America. I will get citizenship just to vote for you. You know, and I will lose, but I won't lose by as much as I should. Like, I won't be the worst candidate out there. Yeah, I've seen the kind of people who get elected office. And that, uh, what's his name? The guy who pretended to be gay and then pretended yep. to be straight and then pretended to be Jewish. Yeah. If he came out and said, defund the police, they're not providing enough power pellets he would be defended by his party yeah george santos uh but his his name is also like anthony Bolivari. he's got several different names he did a, a gofundme for a dog surgery and then just kept all the money and the dog owner was like my dog's gonna die and he's like i don't even know what you're talking about <laughs> and he's like your name's right here on the gofundme you're raising money for my dog and he's like never heard of you <laughs> just the worst guy the worst guy he won he won that election so yeah i could maybe beat him on my pack politics running on the pack platform my plaque form so enough out of me I'm, i keep derailing the show i'm on the edge of my seat to hear what happens next I'm on the edge of my seat to hear what happens in this campaign. <laughs> I, gotta, I feel like I'm going to quit while I'm ahead because everything I've said is so good already. I don't want to somehow spoil it by taking a left turn as I often do. I might use that slur by accident if I don't watch it. I'm just going to button my lip and hear what happens next in this pack special. Yes, using the slur might be a bit of a scandal for your campaign. <laughs> We'll carry on and try and avoid it, Jonathan. I know you like using racial slurs, but try to <laughs> try to contain yourself. I will try to contain myself, yes. What 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 happens next? Does he get out of the chair, Santa? What does he do? So the ghosts find the toys. Pac-Man tried to sneak up on them. The ghosts spot him. They exclaim, Let's quit wasting time and chomp on his bones. Very violent. <laughs> Uh, they chase Pac-Man. Chomp Chomp the dog tries to gather up all the presents. It sounds like he's having an asthma attack by the sounds he's making while doing so. As you said, Pac-Man then just trips on a rock, falls to the ground, and the ghosts all chomp him. And then, like you said, no visible injuries. Mm -hmm. He just becomes tired. Mm -hmm. He's been eaten alive, and it's a mild inconvenience for him. And in the games, when you get eaten, you die. Legit. He he turns into nothing. He he implodes in on himself. Yeah, yeah. And it, it feels final and real. But in this, he's just like, oh, uh, oh, come on, chomp, chomp. You got to help me get the toys. I'm tired. It's just lying in the snow. And he could freeze to death, but I, none of that's talked about, I guess. Uh, and, and Chomp Chomp then comes to the rescue? Yeah, Chomp Chomp's dragging the toys. They fall off a cliff at one point. There's a huge mess. It's 20 minutes to midnight. It's 1982. Reagan's finger is on the nuclear button. The world is holding its breath. And what is Santa doing in all this? Just going, whoa, like just being sad about it? He's crying with the baby. He is he is a baby Santa. He could have, I mean, he's Santa Claus. He's presumably magic. He's got flying reindeer. He could have gone and gotten the toys himself, right? Or is he, he was too cold? Was that the problem? He sneezed, so he had to take a night off. <laughs> He's not used to the uh, the viruses of Pac-Land. <laughs> Maybe that's it. That's what they got uh, in War of the Worlds. That's how they defeated those three-fingered aliens in that one. Maybe And Santa is an alien, so the logic follows. And you never see how many fingers he has. This is how COVID was introduced to Earth. 
<laughs> a three-fingered Santa with no pants ruined our world. <laughs> You've got this second part of your platform for your campaign. <laughs> Nude Santa. Jonathan, why aren't you a three-fingered Santa with no pants? <laughs> I'd have to cut off some fingers, but, you know, we'll see. You can. I mean, that's perfectly possible. It has been done. So campaign promise, but not not a guarantee, perhaps, but we'll look at the bill in Congress and see what we can do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, once I get elected, I'll decide then, but I'll tell everyone up front, absolutely. A power pellet in every first aid kit. I will have three fingers. I will cut off my fingers. Do I need another promise other than that? Or is that nude from the waist down? (laughs) Oh, sorry. Thank you. (laughs) And we'll see if I can beat George Santos in the the congressional race. So I want to point out another quote here. The newly fixed sleigh has a five-year 50,000 chomp warranty on it, which I vote for the most meaningless statement in this entire cartoon. (laughs) Which is saying something. What could that possibly mean? Because <laughs> the ghosts have also never seen Santa. They've never considered chomping Santa and or his sleigh. And I don't think they do. If I remember correctly, somehow Pac-Man in a very derivative of the famous Peanut special where Linus gives a talk to get everyone on board with actually caring about the spirit of Christmas. If I remember correctly, Pac-Man somehow gets the ghosts to love Christmas? Yeah, he tells them that if the ghosts open their mouths instead of their hearts, millions of children won't get their presents. (laughs) Which is an amazing statement to make. And it works. The ghosts, like, Clyde is kind of, like, suspicious of this, but the other ghosts talk him round. So Pac-Man, and they're like, well, let him save the day just this once. Right, but we'll get you next time after Christmas. It's like a temporary Christmas truce. But Jesus has never talked about it. My thoughts of Jesus kept coming to to strong into the forefront of my mind as watching the show. Like, is there a pack Jesus? Or is there a human Jesus who died in some other universe that when the pack people find out that this is all celebrating Jesus's birthday... Which is never never mentioned again in the show. Are they going to feel like tricked? Are they going to feel like that they got missionaried into becoming Christians without being given the full story? Is this only things I think about? Or did, did does anyone else think about these things? Is it just me imagining Pac Jesus and, and feeling troubled and excited at the same time? I have to admit, I did not think of the term Pac Jesus, but now I'm thinking about it a lot. <laughs> Yeah, I I did not think about Pac Jesus. I only thought about that uh, they had never they had never known anything of of Jesus in the Pac land, and so uh, Santa is coming to spread the word. But uh, yeah, yeah, this yeah. is the very first they're hearing about. It. They haven't heard of Christmas, so I'm going to assume that means there's no Pac Jesus because they're not celebrating Pac Jesus's birthday. Well, th- yes and no. I'm not I, I'm not discounting that, but I'm leaving the possibility open. That if Santa had said, it's Christ mass, it's Christ, we love Jesus Christ, love him. We got to chop Jesus. (laughs) He got chomped already. He got chomped for our sins. The Romans chomped (laughs) Jesus and he respawned after three days. That's right. He got chomped for our sins and uh, came back. I can't remember what he did. I guess the sequel to The Passion of the Christ is going to explain what Jesus did on the comeback. Well, he just kind of walked around comeback. and said, I'm back. And- <laughs> That's what I remember, but I'm I'm far from a theologian on this stuff. Um, but what if they had done that in the show? Do you think it would have been better, worse, the same? Do you think it would have been controversial or alienating? Because it's already inherently alienating to have Christmas specials. Like everyone I know who's not a Christian feels a little bit like, eh, they're, they're, they're acting like everybody likes Christ, but I'm I'm not a believer but it's implied that you're all supposed to be and you're weird if you don't like it, just like you're weird if you don't like this Pac-Man show. So 
if they had just gone whole hog and been like, it's all about Christ, Pac-Man, and he would have been like, I'm a believer. We got to get our own Pac-Jesus. And then they like went whole hog and created their own Pac-Jesus and Pac-Christianity and Pac-Church and whatnot in order to sell people. Because I think we all know that Jesus wasn't actually like a handsome white fella. He was not the way he's depicted in most American Christian propaganda. They they altered him to make him more marketable to the, uh, just come out and say it, the, the whites, the whites of the United States wouldn't have wanted a Middle, Middle Eastern looking Jesus necessarily to, to put on their racist walls because they're racist against Middle Eastern. So they, they wanted white Jesus. Uh, is this way too controversial for a Pac-Man spinoff, spinoff doctors? I, I'm fine with it. <laughs> I, I'm just now imagining... Rami Malek starring in Mel Gibson's Passion of the Pack Jesus 2. <laughs> it would make as much sense to me, uh, a non-believer in most religions, as what we actually get, which is tons of people watching movies about just a guy, uh, by all accounts, a wonderful guy, Jesus Christ, just getting tortured. For two hours, just watching it. Well, no, we're seeing we're seeing Pac-Man getting eaten, al- literally eaten alive. <laughs> oh my God, is Pac-Man Pac-Jesus? Is this the secret subtext that he got chomped for our sins and and ends up coming back from that in order to to save Christmas? I think you've discovered the true meaning of Pac Christmas, <laughs> <laughs> and maybe forging just the the skeleton of a potential religion that I can tie into my campaign and truly make the world much worse than it was before. You thought regular religion was bad. You thought regular politics was bad. Once I hit the scene, getting people to eat power pellets, I'm going to sell them for a lot of money, by the way. I I don't think I mentioned that part. I'm going to manufacture some like cheap sugar cookies that cost like 40 cents to make. I'm going to charge 40 bucks per sugar cookie to you got to eat it though if you don't want to get chomped by the ghosts and if you respect pack jesus for dying for your sins you will buy my power pellets you son of a bitch that's gonna be my it's gonna gonna be on tv that's um, just the ad we'll just take that audio there and just like super you know put that over some like a cowboy in the sunset you know uh, a family eating Christmas Thanksgiving dinner together, you know, true American scenes, and you're just there like, pack Jesus, chomped for our sins, buy my drugs. Eat my power pellets, you son of a bitch. <laughs> That's right. That's right. And I, again, I don't, I'm not saying I'll beat George Santos, but I think it's going to be a close race. <laughs> I think I think that I am running on just as good stuff as him. That's my strong belief. But anyway, after Pac-Man proves his ability to to win ghosts over to Christmas. So he's got his own political power and ability to to spread the word of Christmas pretty powerfully himself. They're still not out of the woods, right? Well, they go into the woods because Pac-Man takes the reindeer to the power forest and gives them loads of power pellets. That way, Santa might just have a chance to save Christmas. Yeah, isn't there a scene where Santa in tears with Pac-Man's child and Santa are both sobbing, noisily sobbing, and Santa's like, I couldn't even do it if I had jet propulsion, which is, where did that come from? And then Pac-Man's like, jet propulsion? Well, I got an idea. But his idea is not jet propulsion. It's just a bunch of power pellets. It's drugs. It's the 80s. (laughs) The solution is drugs. Yeah, he feeds the reindeer a bunch of uppers and gets him uh, gets him going. And it's like the 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 true origin story of Rudolph, right? Because then the main lead reindeer ends up having a glowing red nose from the drugs from the power pellets. Oh yeah, he is just loaded up with it. He is buzzing. He's lit. Mm, lit. <laughs> yeah, that's what they would say today. And then does it just end? Does Santa just be like, "Thank you," and then leave? So, yeah, Santa flies off, and the Pack family returns home. There's now a Christmas tree there, surrounded by presents. The ghosts decide they're going to actually betray their promise, and they launch a home invasion. 
but uh, Santa's left presents for the ghosts as well. So everybody just kind of gathers round and, you know, peace for all pack kind. <laughs> and Santa leaves us with the immortal words, Merry Christmas to all and to all a good chump. I almost swore. I'm so upset. <laughs> <laughs> I try not to swear that much. Uh, it's it's a bad form, I guess you could say. It, it, it leaves people uncomfortable. But that ending made me so uncomfortable that the last word of that show by Santa Claus, like, there's so much indoctrination. Pac-Man causes everyone to become Christians by the end of the show. And Santa, too, is left... With this insidious, stupid, brand, brain poison of now thinking like a Pac-Man marketing guy saying chomp for no reason. Just inserting the word chomp into anything. It's just... Well, they're sharing each other's cultures. It's a meeting of the minds. <laughs> it's, it's so... Pac-Man versus Santa Claus. even worse. This is, this is when the idea of Santa Claus eating his elves kind of entered into the traditional Christmas canon. Is that what he thinks a good chomp is for all? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Just... <laughs> he gets his reward on Christmas Day after he's delivered all the presents. He comes home, delivers in the worst performing elf of the year, and chomps him. Wow. I had no idea that the ritual sacrifice of... The, I mean, this is very similar to what you see in corporate America today. Uh, <laughs> instead of getting laid off, he gets eaten alive? Or do they cook him? Do they kill him first? What do they do to this guy? Based on the Pac-Man lore, I don't think they cook him. I think they just go straight in there. Yeah. Oh, it is extremely uncomfortable in that scene when all five ghosts... At simultaneously chomp Pac-Man. The screen like turns white for a second. So it's like something happened. You, you think that I he's going to, to be like destroyed. Yeah. And then it's so disappointing when the screen comes back and he's just like, oh, that was uh. something happens when he gets chomped. Something takes him from like, I'm ready to live to like, oh, I'm ready to die. Like something insidious happens to Pac-Man in that chomp process that I still feel bad about because of the mystery of it. I still don't know exactly what they do to him. Well, I think that was the idea. The best horror is mm. in the child's imagination. That's right. If you leave it at nothing you can show on screen in terms of people ghosts cannibalizing or maybe not cannibalizing depending on species another sentient being yeah it's hard to say nothing can compare to what a child would imagine if you gave them that prompt yeah exactly leaving that mystery alive is probably one of the most effective things about how awful things were back then and why i've turned out the way i am just a little bit or maybe a lot bit traumatized depending on who you ask So overall, Jonathan, what did you think of Christmas Comes to Packland? You've got a lot of thoughts here. I hate it. I know you're jumping into hate. <laughs> I can't stand it. But there were some things you like. It inspired your new political career. So there must be something here that's really speaking to you. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, it makes me appreciate everything else more. You know, like most folks, I will complain about... Like the Michael Bay, Bayformers, the, his version of Transformers is not true to what I loved about actual Transformers. People hate the new Velma show because it's not true to what they loved about Scooby-Doo. People are generally liking, but some people are, are upset about the Last of Us show not being what they wanted it to be. All of that is friggin' solid gold, not actual solid gold, which was actually also a show in the 80s. It is pure gold. It is non-stop quality compared to how bad this pac-man christmas adapts the spirit of the pac-man arcade game and in doing this attempt at an adaptation just deforms and destroys any sort of goodness in it and turns it into pure corporate garbage just trying to sell pac-man as a mascot and santa as a mascot and christmas as a concept 
It's pure corporate consumerism, uh, baby vomit, palpum, I think that's called. It's gross. So I'm not saying it's related, but Christmas Comes to Pacland did happen chronologically immediately before the 1983 video game crash. And within a year after this special aired, the Hitler Diaries were published, the United States invaded Granada, <laughs> and a reactor shutdown due to the failure of fuel rods occurred at the Kursk nuclear power plant in Russia. I'm not saying they're related. <laughs> But chronologically, <laughs> it feels like they're related. It feels like the promise of life being good and us being able to trust the powers that be to create Christmas specials that we could all thoroughly feel something from. Because, as I mentioned before, the Peanuts Christmas special, a bit trite, but really had heart. Like, I still watch that and feel like, oh. This has some substance. This has some passion, some meaning, some humanity to it. This Christmas special is completely devoid of any genuine heartfelt emotion, any any sort of real humanity. And then we saw Chernobyl happen. <laughs> so, so perhaps there's a through line there. I would not be surprised. I would not be surprised if we find out that Chernobyl is in fact because of this Christmas special in some way. All I'm saying is we need to investigate. That's all you're saying. Jonathan, would you get reindeer addicted to uppers if it meant saving Christmas? <laughs> For the record. Uh, you know, it's it's tough to say something to match that question <laughs> in a way that will do justice to it. I don't value Christmas that much. I like it a little bit, but it's mostly just me buying stuff for a lot of other people. So, no, I, I say let's destroy Christmas if it means saving those reindeer from having to, to get a painful chemical addiction. Jonathan, do you have any bugaboos? <laughs> do I have any bugaboos? <laughs> Sorry. Do you have any plug... I can't stop laughing now. Do you have any plugaboos, any links or anything like that you'd like to uh, plug on the podcast? Oh, yeah, no, I don't think so. Yeah, sure. We've got the Talking to Women About Video Games podcast that Daniel dutifully edits every... Well, he edits a bit of it, usually the week before we record the main segment. Then he's got to record the and edit the main segment. He does a lot of work on that show, so got to plug that. Thank you, as always, Daniel. And this is the first time Daniel and I have ever spoken together. Yeah. Certainly at this length. So that's been a very exciting time for me. I'm grateful, you and for us uh, getting all together on this uh, in this way. I also write for Nintendo Force Magazine, which is a fun, fake Nintendo Power type thing. If you like 80s nostalgia, as you might if you decided to listen to this long talk about pac-man specials from 1982 similarly nintendo force looks back at the history of nintendo while also looking forward to what it's doing now in a medium that's largely forgotten the video game magazine but people really seem to like it when they buy it i've gotten probably more praise for my work on nintendo force than just about anything else people really like it so check that out i'm also working on a separate art book style magazine called Lock On that I think issue five is still in crowdfunding. I interviewed the creator of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I'm sorry, the co-creator, Kevin Eastman, for that, as well as the creators of Trombone Champ and the creator of the Axiom Verge series. So that's fun. And I'm just lining up my interviews for the, the next issue, issue six. I just had to talk a video game developer I won't name who he is now, but he's like, I don't want to do it. People won't like me. I'm so bad at talking. I'm like, you're going to be great. I spent like an hour pep talking him yesterday, and he just agreed to be interviewed for a future issue of that. So so I'm excited about all those things. I guess those are my pluggables. Absolute pleasure to have you here. Uh, honestly, been fantastic. Yeah, thanks for coming on. Likewise. Yeah, anytime. Thanks for having me. Hope to see you both soon on the internet. Daniel, before we go, do you have anything you want to plug? Um, yeah, I mean, uh, I like Jonathan said, I, I edit and I guess produce the Talking to Women About Video Games podcast every two weeks. Um, so that's a great thing to check out. I've got music on the internet. Uh, and I think in the prior episode, I spelled out exactly how to get there. Uh, it's my 
artist named Dweeb Yorthst, which is a mouthful, and you can uh, figure that out. Maybe we'll get the, uh, the the link to that in the show description rather than me spelling it uh, like last time. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, so I hope everyone's enjoyed the podcast. Uh, just so you know, we won't be sticking to any particular release schedule. So at the moment, all I can say is I hope you join us next time. And chomp chomp, everyone. Chomp chomp. <laughs> Jesus kept coming missionary. Coming. Mm-hmm.